0: You're listening to Coffee Talk with the Liturgy Guys.
1: Excuse me? I happen to be passing. I thought you'd might like some coffee. Oh, that's very nice of you. Thank you.
0: Because if beer is proof of God's love for us, then coffee is
1: proof of his mercy. Caffeine, come to my assistance. Put that coffee down. This is not a real episode of The Liturgy Guys. Coffee's for closes only. There's no topic that we're discussing, and we're not even talking about liturgy the whole time. Are you telling us absolutely everything? Not exactly. We're also out of coffee. So without further ado, another Coffee
0: Talk episode of The Liturgy Guys. Enjoy. Oh,
1: oh, hello, Dennis. Hello, Tasmania. Good morning, Tasmania. 90% of our listeners are from Tasmania. Do you know where Tasmania is? It's um, right underneath Australia. It's this tiny little island.
0: Yeah, and we actually have listeners in Tasmania. Can you believe it? Wait, we that? do? We're just joking. No, you're serious. We have listeners in Tasmania. It's an island, as you say, separated mm-hmm. from the mainland on the south side there by the Bass Strait, B A S S. And Chris's brother-in-law was just there because he has relatives in Tasmania. And he said there's people in Tasmania who listen. So hello, Tasmania. Good morning, <laughs> Vietnam. And hello, <laughs> Hello, Cleveland. That's so, Chris's thing. Come so on. hello, Tasmanians related to the Johnsons, especially. Thanks for listening.
1: That's great. Yeah. Wait, he has family from there?
0: Yeah, their father. I don't know. Somehow they have relations in uh, Australia. So uh, coffee talk. Yeah, We didn't know what we were going to talk about, and you're like, let me see. And you just sat there and closed mm -hmm, your eyes, and mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. and
0: then you're like, boom, okay, ready. So
1: I have no idea what's coming next. Yeah, that's fine. That's good. That's exactly the way I want it. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) All right, so I think a common problem that parishes have uh, is, you know, whether they're on the pastoral council, or they're the pastor of a parish, or they're just parishioners trying to you know, create some type of renewal in their parish. One of the common things is they wanna do some renovations or work on projects, but Uh, they don't know where to start. You're talking about like architectural renovations? Yeah, architectural renovations. uh, You know, we we talk about when the liturgy begins, the principal furnishing is the altar. So is that like, is, should that be the thing that people I just don't know or... enough about this to say, really. It's kind of outside my area of oh, expertise. okay. Should we get Chris in here, you think? <laughs> <laughs> no. Kevin. Hey, Kevin. Kevin. All right. Kevin, so what, can you help us out? Here tell too? me what you want to know. You want to know about altars well, first. Well, I want to know where would you start? You know, obviously there's lots of different types of churches. There's some that are in the round. are some that are cruciform, all this type of stuff. But is there kind of a set list of, you know, start here, then do this, then do this, then do this? Like, I I know that you often talk about, you know, you're not going to renovate the entire building, but here are some principles that you can go by that say, if you did this, it'd go a long way on a, even a light budget. Well, sure. I mean,
0: dioceses and offices of worship often have Sort of checklists and guidelines, but usually they're very practical. There's almost no theology um, in most sort of guidelines for architecture. Even the Built of Living Stones, which is the bishop's document in America, is it's not that theological. It's very practical. This is what this mm-hmm. is. This is how it is. So you got to think big picture. What word am I going to start with, Jesse? Well, ontology. Yes, ontology is but the study of possibly
1: eschatology.
0: Being. Well, yeah. There's a lot of goodologies. You know, one of the aspects, one of the ontological questions, is quiditas. Oh, do you know what quid? I've never heard you say that. You know word what quid before?
1: means in Latin? It's like half a pence. I <laughs> I don't even know. what Quid is a pound in Latin slang. Like, oh, really? Like we say buck
0: for a dollar. Oh, I did twenty know that. quid. Is twenty? I think twenty pounds. The British hmm. listeners can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, it's because I watch Downton Abbey all the time. <laughs> I had to look it up. <laughs> you literally
1: used that to make a point in About. the office today. <laughs> yes, exactly. So,
0: um, quiditas is the whatness. You know? Whoa. So, vero is true, veritas is truth. What mm-hmm. the whatness of something is an ontological question. What's the, what is the thing? So, what's a church? What's an altar? What's a pew? What's a celebrant chair? What does it signify? What does it mean? So, you brought a skin up skin for liturgical action. You brought up eschatology, but eschatology is this glory of the end times, this anticipated glory of heaven. So, that's the first thing. Everything the church anticipated glory of heaven. Mm hmm. So, what does that mean? Everything that's touched is going to be the finest materials, the most careful craftsmanship. It's going to be uh, colorful,
1: shiny, radiant, so what, glorified, so where do you start? sparkly. Say with the vestments, with the.
0: Well, it depends on your budget. You know, mm-hmm. if you don't have much money, start with the music. Music's free. You're oh. paying a director anyway, probably. So you have a choice between some song about us and some music that reveals the nature, the order, the perfection, the harmony, the glory of God. Do that instead, right? Mm-hmm. So start with the books. So you know, one of the things we talk about here in the Liturgical Institute, which is where we are, that is where we, we are in Deline, Illinois, is um, that the books, the church's books, are the guarantee of what God wants like how God wants to be worshipped. We don't say that too often. It's sort of
1: legalistic. And also kind of sounds pompous, like,
0: we know what God God wants. wants. But you know what? What does Lambert Baudouin say? The church is the continuing action of Christ in the world. It's the mystical body. Mm -hmm. So he was healing people. He was anointing people. He was priest, prophet, and king. He was all that. He went back to the father, and he said, my work will continue through you. Hey, people, Mm -hmm. you will be me with a head and members. And so the members do certain things. The head guides them. The church then is the voice of Christ on earth. Now we're not talking about any individual who might be a flawed person. We're talking about official teaching, the magisterial level, different levels of authority. So when the church gives you the book of how to pray, that's what God is speaking to us about how we should pray and how he wants to be worshipped. And then norms that govern that are how God wants to be worshipped, at least the best we can figure it out right Mm -hmm. now. So there's a human element in it all the time, of course. But pretty much that's the place you start. That's one guarantee of the right and safe way to begin. And then the Ars Trelebrandi makes it even better. Do you know what that means? That means the art of celebrating. Yes, the art of celebrating. So if a priest That's a pirate's favorite liturgical phrase. Ars trelebrandi. Yes. On September nineteenth, especially. Yeah. That's you know true. what September nineteenth is? Talk like a pirate day. <laughs> See, that's great. But we like to talk like Do you like know a what November twenty second is?
1: Don't talk like a pirate day. <laughs>
0: It like St. Cecilia Day. <laughs> Isn't that <laughs> sad that you know when the Pirate Day is and you don't know when St. Cecilia is? I I'm uh-huh. sorry. That's Trello Solicitudini Day, too.
1: God bless you. Yeah,
0: exactly. So how can you be heavenly? Right. Totally free. Priest, don't be an idiot. That's mm-hmm. a start. How would God address God? How would if Christ were walking down the aisle? Brothers how, and sisters, how friends do, and family. How would he do it? Oh. What kind of regal bearing would he have as the Lord of all time. At the same time, how accessible would he be without selling himself out as a cheapo, you know, comedian stand-up comedian, right? You want Christ to be nice to you, right? Because he's the mm-hmm. good shepherd, but he's also standing at the right hand of the Father who's exercising the priestly of office of Jesus Christ. So he's perfectly kind, but he's also perfectly God. So he's human, he knows us, but he's God, and so he's beyond us. He bridges that gap. So if you make a silly joke outside the time of the homily, probably you're just diminishing the reality of the heavenly realities coming through. If the music is kind of trashy and... And that stuff's free, like you said. Yeah, and a vestment is not free, but you can buy one for... Under fifty bucks so you can buy one for nine hundred dollars. It's not going to break the bank of most parishes mm-hmm. and have a much more dignified thing. You know, does it have a lining, a, a, like a gold lining, for instance, instead of paper thin? Does it have an edging of some gold trim that suddenly takes this piece of cloth and brings it to a heavenly glory? Those are just simple things to th- let the heavenly reality come through. Are the servers, altar servers, are they wearing albs or are they just walking around in their sneakers? Because the alb is the white garment of heaven. Are they ministering in the Holy of Holies, or are they just doing that thing that we do at Mass? Mm -hmm. Are their shoes black with black pants underneath, or do you see their loose shoelaces flopping around? Or their Birkenstocks. Or their Birkenstocks or whatever, right? You might say, oh, why are you so uptight? Well, it's not about being uptight. It's about avoiding anything that's a distraction from heavenly perfection and letting those heavenly things come through. Because this is how sacramental encounter works, Jesse. Mm -hmm. If you can't perceive it, you can't
1: encounter it. So that sounds like a pretty easy way to get started.
0: Yeah. And then you can work your way up. Say you're renovating the church. You want to, Your altar is some flimsy wooden table from the 80s. What would you do? What would you do? Uh, well, it should be, it, the altar is Christ, so it should be. Okay, first the, you have to know that, right? right? The altar is the image of Christ, the place of sacrifice, who is not merely the peasant guy walking around. He is the eschatological Christ it, at the right. So hand of the it Father. should be radiant and glory. Yep. How do you do that, though? Well, uh, I know you asked me the question, but I'm yeah. turning it back on you.
1: I think marble is a good choice because mm-hmm. marble itself, um, there's a it. it reflects light in a way that other materials don't Mm -hmm. it's polishable Um, it's polishable you could also insert little gems and stones and little pieces of gold to make it um, shine and be radiant in that way Mm -hmm. Um, it should also look like it is a solid piece of furniture and something that's not easily you can't just pick it up and move it so that it it
0: shouldn't only look like it it should be it right a consecrated altar has to be fixed in other words it can't be moved but really how come because it is Christ. And Christ isn't going to get carried away from the center of the universe mm-hmm. anytime soon, right? hmm So... Um, and so color is important, too. Sometimes people think, Ooh. white, icy white marble is the best. But heaven is not described as icy and white. It's described as the colors of the 12 gems. I mean, there's the crystal mm-hmm. that says clear as crystal, but gold, red, purple, green... You don't want to make your altar a riot of you know circus, mm-hmm. circus colors, but there oh, are. But white is storm. radiant, though. That's one of the reasons. Right, nothing wrong it. with white. Right, it reflects
1: light in a way other colors.
0: When you look at some of the great Roman churches, they use these deep reds and black, even and other kinds of marble greens, golds. That's like wow, this thing is just like rich and layered. Mm-hmm. Uh, if an altar is too white, if a church is too white, it looks
1: a little icy, a little chilly. It, it's kind of the way that you say, like, if you put too much gold on something, you can't see the contrast or definition, right? Yeah. And you can't see what's under the gold,
0: mm-hmm. but if you, uh, we put a gold crown on you, we know you are the king. If we cover you up in gold leaf, you know, you look like the gold version of the tin man from uh, wizard <laughs> of Oz, right? <laughs> we can't see you glorified. We see you covered up with glor- glory stuff. Yeah. And that's a different thing. That's so you. That was one of the things you remembered. That is so you. Right? You say a dress is so you. Well, no, the mm-hmm. dress is the dress, and you're you. But that dress makes you knowable.
1: No, should saying. the a, a lot of places that are, a lot of churches I see the ambo is kind of made in the same style as the altar. Like, mm-hmm. what about that? Is that's like if you're gonna get a new altar, should it should the ambo match the altar's design? Yeah,
0: ideally they should be related. So. You know, the church talks about the principal furnishings in a church being altar, ambo, chair, with the celebrant and the baptistry, typically. And it's nice to have them all coherent, you know, designed to say, Christ is present in the Word, Christ is present in the Eucharist, baptism leads you to the Eucharist, the chair is the seat of authority of Christ among his people, as the priest or the bishop. And so when they all design together, they have a kind of unity and coherence. Should you have like a marble chair, though, or should it... It's hard to have a marble chair. Sometimes when people try it, it's hard. But it's it's been done. I mean, if you look at some of the early cathedrals and even some of the newly renovated cathedrals, um, they're doing some pretty good stuff. It has to look like a chair, though. Mm-hmm. It can't look like this weird altar thing you're sitting on, you know? Right. I've seen some weird celebrant chairs in my day. Oh, lots of them, yeah. <laughs> it, it can't look too domestic. You know, sometimes people get these antique chairs from... 19th century, and they sort of stick them in there. But there's a great tradition of wooden chairs and Mm -hmm. other things that are fine, especially in the Gothic tradition in the 19th century.
1: What about um, like painting and murals? Are those more costly things to do or? Well,
0: nothing's free, Mm -hmm. but paint is your cheapo friend. Yeah. Paint gives you a lot of bangs. And I have a lot of cheapo (laughs) friends, like (laughs) Like, Kevin, me. and you're buying me lunch on Friday because you lost the NCAA bracket.
1: Uh-huh. I didn't agree to this, but I will do it. It was kind. your
0: idea to bet the lunch
1: for the loser. I, I kept so. asking you if you want, if you want. Yeah, I'm the
0: one who didn't agree. You're the one who agreed. Anyway, right. go Virginia. Go who's? Wah, 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 You know. Anyway, um, what were you saying? Oh, murals, paint. Yeah. Here's the thing. You Is know, carpet your cheapo friend? <laughs> carpet can be okay. Not cheapo carpet. Mm-hmm. You know, Usually people put carpet in the church for whatever reason, and they buy the cheapest carpet, industrial carpet that can stand up to lots of people walking on it, and then it looks like cheapo carpet. And you go to your public library and they've done all this fancy carpeting and your church is the ugliest Mm -hmm. thing around. But there are lovely carpets out there, often for hotel and institutional use, that have patterns and flowers woven into them and stuff. So you can do a lot of good things with carpet, if you're careful about it.
1: But a hard surface is usually considered better. It's more public, it's Mm -hmm. more enduring, lasts forever. And you can even have a wood wooden floor with some mosaic styles to it. and Yeah, you can do that, too. Isn't St. John Cantius, is that wooden that they have? They have a quite elaborate okay. wooden floor with all kinds of symbols in it. Mm-hmm. And then I think St. Alphonsus has one of those ornate carpets mm-hmm. that, on the side. So at least it's something that looks like it's got you know heavenly glory and nature and perfected glo- nature and all that type of stuff. Exactly. So... Mm-hmm.
0: You know, most people when they build a church, there's the builders just think, oh, I'm building a big, giant living room. So they only spec out beige paint one color that the guys can go in there and spray with a power sprayer and they're done. But you really have to think about a church is not your house. You know, if you went into your brand new built house and all the walls were beige, you'd be like,
1: well, yeah, that's what the builder did. I probably spent more time picking out the colors in my house than right. some churches.
0: Right. <laughs> and that's true.
1: So... If you're going
0: to have a sky over your heavenly Jerusalem, you know, maybe you want your ceiling to be blue. Maybe you want it to have stars on it. Suddenly, it's not just the beige ceiling, it's the heavenly cosmic, radiant totality of you know outside of time and space that suddenly the church starts to look churchy. And that paint, not that expensive, you know. paint, mm-hmm. the, paint the ceiling blue with a spray gun. And get a church furnishings company to put some stars up there. And man, your church is different for Did you a say lot of there
1: expense. was some Newman Center or some college campus that just had the students mm-hmm. paint the apps and then they painted the stars on the ceiling? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I forget where that was now. I was just at the Newman Center at Salt Lake City at the University of
0: Utah, and they have a little tiny chapel where the Blessed Sacrament is reserved and it's painted sort of a scarlet red on the walls. It's very small. Uh, Just a little bigger than this table we're sitting at right now. And they have uh, acoustic tiles on the ceiling, but then they painted it in dark blue. And then there are these little stars. They're like pins that that you just pushed in. And so it wasn't pricey, but boy, is it effective. You go in there and you're like, oh, wow, I'm in. Suddenly I'm in. What if I put some of those plastic
1: glow in the dark stars on the ceiling? Like I had in my bedroom when I was 10 years old. The (laughs) challenge with stuff, if it's cheap,
0: the part of the problem is it's not worthy of God. But part of it is you're more compelled to think about its cheapness than its Mm sacramental reality. So that's the thing about sacramental realities is invisible spiritual realities have to come through them so in a sense the thing that's put up there is supposed to make you forget the thing that's put up there Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so if you meet the king you're not thinking oh here's this person looking in sweatpants looking dumb you're like oh the king and the way you meet the king is when the king carries himself like a king is dressed like a king is doing king stuff so as soon as you these little pieces that create one picture yeah, and because they are what they are and not something else, they don't draw attention to themselves. It's through their perfection that the spiritual realities come through. And so if the altar looks stupid, all you say is, why is that altar so stupid? Instead of, mm-hmm. oh, there's this radiant image of Christ present among these people.
1: Yeah, I think, and I think this is a common issue because there are a lot of people who are trying to do some good liturgically and might want to, you know, do some renovations in their churches, and they just don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I agree with you. I mean, you can start with the liturgy itself and start to incorporate some of the things that we talk about at the the Liturgical Institute and make the liturgy beautiful first, and then that can uh, start to renew your parish, and then maybe that will get some momentum to mm-hmm. try and do some of these other things that you want to do. Yeah. It's a little bit of chicken and egg, you know, when oh, you yeah. see beautiful churches, that yeah. tends
0: to be where beautiful liturgy happens. Like the people who are attracted to that kind of architecture, want to do liturgy. Right. And then if you do liturgy, right, people say, well, we're doing this beautiful liturgy. Why is our building so ugly? So they, they tend to lead to one to the other,
1: which is cool. I, so I go to this uh, parish out here that is uh, comprised of two uh, decommissioned churches from Chicago. And so they just kind of rebuilt it piece by piece. Like, you, you were the one who told me about this church. And I've already seen a number of people starting to a- attend Mass in larger numbers just because you don't see something like that, at least in this area um, in Lake County. And so it's kind of, what is this? There's mm-hmm. a mystery to it. And, it's know, quite a
0: sight when you go up Route 45 here, and it's very mm-hmm. flat here. And then there's this big, hulking... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Traditional <laughs> church on the landscape. You're like, what? It is looks that? a little out of place. Yeah. There's a lot of pictures of, um, uh, what's it, Shark Cathedral, where they, they, it's flat in a lot of the countryside and you see the wheat growing. And then there's this big cathedral in the distance and you're mm-hmm. like, ooh, what is that? It's kind of like that. It just sneaks up on you. It was built as a city church, it was built as St. Right. John of God church. So it had to compete with tall buildings. And then they moved it out to this flat area that's not surrounded by buildings. And it's just like this
1: big. But it's kind of cool. And it's very cool. Yeah. And you, and there's all these, um, uh, stone pieces that are in this like graveyard, <laughs> hanging almost. around in the grass. Yeah, just waiting to be you know assembled. I think just right? like
0: us, Jesse. Yeah, that's true. We are members of the body, waiting for God to assemble us, and
1: so this church is like us. And you know, in terms of resources for some of these renovations for people, you you actually go on a lot of auctions, um, and you find different places online that. Like you can do that for other different churches that were decommissioned, you can bring those elements into into your church as well. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of them out there these days. Um, you just bought eight out of fourteen stations of
0: the cross, so <laughs> six out of fourteen. <laughs> oh, six out of fourteen. <laughs> yeah, the last thing in the world I needed was a set of stations of the cross. The they're last cool, though, thing I really, really needed was not fourteen of <laughs> stations of the cross, but they were painted by a guy I recognize. His artist name was Leo Cartwright was a busy artist in the 50s mostly doing this kind of modern traditional style of art and uh they're not signed but i just know his work so Mm -hmm. i bought them because i like him they're very beautiful yeah they're great um and you know there's that was just at a regular auction that wasn't at a church place but there are other places Mm -hmm. there's a place called fluminalis f-l-u-m-i-n-a-l-i-s it's actually in europe and there's tons of closed churches over there and they're selling all this really quite exquisite stuff there's something called the stained glass rescue project it's out of philadelphia I think buyer studios is in charge of that b-e-y-e-r and uh they're just closing taking stained glass from closed churches rescuing it and keeping it in cold storage until some church comes oh, wow. and ask for it they're not free but they're not expensive because they want them to go to a good home and so there's a number of those things out there now and your own diocese might have a storage place of closed mm-hmm. church stuff wow to make your church more beautiful
1: there's so lots of options
0: but here's the energy. most important thing though most important thing My number one job when I consult with people, as I say, who's your architect? Yeah, get a good. I look at their website and 10 seconds later, I say, not good enough. They're like, oh, but they've built 10 churches. And like, do you like any of them? No, they're ugly. Well, then why are you?
1: (laughs) Or they'll say (laughs) they've never built built a a church church before.
0: (laughs) Well, then why are you doing that? And people think I'm a snob because there's only like 10 architects in the world that I recommend or in the U S anyway. And it's not because they're my friends, I don't get kickbacks or anything, it's because I've seen the work, I know it's good enough, and they're smart and they'll solve your problems. In fact, I was just working with a friend of mine who's adding an addition to her historic home. Mm-hmm. And the builder's like, oh yeah, this architect we use. And the architect designed this ridiculous thing, windows kind of sprinkled around, and it's just kind of this ugly box that had no historical quality or whatever. And I was like, you have to talk to this other guy. And she did. And in one day he designed such a beautiful addition that solved all her problems. So she was saying to me, how do I fix this original design? Mm-hmm. What do I tell the architects? I'm like, architect should be telling you, you shouldn't be telling them. She's like, I know, but this is the one that Filder works with I like talk to this guy,
1: beautiful
0: design and just like wow. one day so much better than the other one. Always worth the skill. If you're pla- if you were getting plastic surgery, would you go to the guy next door? who's never done plastic surgery before. (laughs) You're going to walk around with a messed up face or brain surgery or whatever surgery.
1: No, you get the best you can. Mm -hmm. And that means knowledge and expertise. Where, uh, just as a side note, where are some, um, places that you could study this style of architecture that are actually doing a good job of training and educating young people? Well, traditional architecture is a kind of specialty that they
0: don't really train too much. It's almost like a novelty now, right? Yeah, well, you know, the University of Notre Dame is a classical architecture school, and that's the one that's they've had classical program for 20-something years now. Um, it's not particularly Catholic in the sense of, like, you don't go there to learn Catholic theology, but they teach you how to use traditional architecture properly, which is half the battle. And, um, you know, if you didn't know how to speak properly, you didn't use grammar and verbs right, you could have a lot of pious ideas, but you just sort of mishmash all the words around, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't be very good. So you need expertise in the craft of traditional Composition and theological knowledge. If you're building a church. If you're building so, a yeah. church, right. Or, with, or if you're writing an ode or you're adding right. a, a new verse to a prayer. You, you mm-hmm. know, if you're going to add a new verse to
1: the pundit. You, you could be a great composer, but if you don't understand the sacramental language. Right. Then, or you could be a sacramental specialist but don't know how to compose. Like,
0: right. Oh, I got my brother-in-law to write a new hymn. It's like, well, your brother-in-law's not <laughs> good at writing hymns. Well, he's written so many songs, he made his own record. Well, they all stink, <laughs> right? So you don't want that. Um, so North, University of Notre Dame, or Notre Dame, mm-hmm. in Indiana, uh, CUA, Catholic University of America, just started a classical program in their architecture school about two years ago now. They're young, but they're doing quite, uh, quite well. Awesome. That's And great. then if you want to learn the theological side of it, you come to the liturgical institute. Yeah, that's true. And you take the liturgical art and architecture class, sacramental ascetics class, which is an online, in part, online, no?
1: Yeah, I think we're going to do some architecture stuff online, too. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that's helpful for me. Should I ever be on a parish council?
0: You should. (laughs) But the number one thing is ontology, 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 right? Cosmology, which is, Jesse... The study of the cosmos, the cosmos of all created things, right? So there's mm-hmm. a cosmological dimension to liturgy because all of creation is returned to the Father. So the church building can show you that cosmological relationship: angels, saints, uh, leaves, buds, flowers, the new heaven, the new earth—not just heaven, but earth. Then eschatology, we already talked about: it's the glory, mm-hmm. the end times, and, and the, something about quids, the quiditas, the whatness, the what is it uh, question, and that's that's the large question: what's a church? It's an image of the mystical body of Christ glorified. I love it. I love all Heaven, of it. Heaven, earth, angels, saints, all of creation, and not just us doing our thing, telling our story,
1: but us glorified with all of creation, and telling our story, which is Christ's story. And if you're still struggling, here is Dennis's cell phone number, and you can... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get enough questions. easy enough is, to find yeah. us on the
0: liturgicalinstitute.org. So, all right, Dennis. Also, there's tons of stuff, by the way, oh. online... Catholic Art Guild, which is associated with St. John oh, Cage's Church, yeah. Church, has done a, a, couple a YouTube channel. And yeah. I think there's about six lectures on there that I've done oh, that nice. are totally
1: free to watch. So Catholic Art Guild on YouTube. Look me up. Yeah, I'll, some stuff I think will put a link, link to that in the show. Okay, good. All right. Well, hey, have a wonderful You're trying week. to shut me up? Of course. Okay. Yeah, you've talked enough. Okay. Back to your office. <laughs>